Hello, this is Frank Falvey with Frank Presents, and today it's my pleasure to have Matt Kelly, who is a Republican candidate for the state of Massachusetts State Senate. Uh, good morning, and how are you, Frank? It's good to, to be good here. Good to see you. Good to see you as well. We're on Zoom, and I know that uh, most people will probably hear this on the radio, so I'm excited, and I'm excited to be on the radio here in Franklin. First of all, Matt, where did you grow up? Um, I grew up, for the most part, in Franklin. Uh, you know, many people don't know that a couple of years prior to moving here, I was a Weymouth uh, kid. Um, and uh, one day my father came home from golfing after work with some buddies and said, we're moving down to Franklin. Uh, so here we came. And, Is that uh, because you wanted to be close to the Franklin a country club? At that point, it was uh, Glen Ellen Country Club that they were, and my father and all of his work buddies were golfing at. Um, so they were there, and we, uh, my mother just picked Franklin. And uh, here we are, and we fell in love, and we've been here ever since. And I'm uh, fortunate enough to marry a, a Franklin gal, as they say, um, and uh, even more fortunate to be able to raise my family and, uh, and be in this town. So, Did you go to Franklin High School? I did. So I went to, uh, and back when I was going to Franklin High School, it was the old Franklin High School uh, with the field house, as many people remember. And uh, we started in the eighth grade. So I, I tell everybody as a joke, sometimes I had five years of high school, but it's because it was eight through 12, not nine through 12 at the time. That's, that's great. That's great. Yeah. My, my kids went to uh, Franklin High School afterwards. What did you do after, after uh, high school, Matt? Sure. Uh, so from uh, in high school, actually, my senior year, I got my real estate license um, from many people. In your senior year in high school? Yeah. yeah and many people don't realize that my, mo my mother was a real estate agent. Um, she's been a real estate agent for 35 years. Um, and in high school, I was helping her out. Um, I was also a kid that worked at Star Market, for those of you who want to have a blast from the past, now Shaw's. Uh, and uh, just decided it was time to help her out and get my real estate license. So in high school, I got my real estate license. Uh, and then from high school, I attended Framingham State College uh, and then uh, went into the field of real estate and have really been selling real estate for the last 24 years here in Franklin. Uh, from being a realtor to opening my own real estate company uh, about 11 years ago. Um, and now I own a property management and real estate company here, at, um, a team and, and company here in town. And uh, it's been a great opportunity. And Franklin has afforded me um, great opportunities as well. So, uh, Matt, how long ago did you start the uh, real estate and in, in, uh, management company? Uh, we started the management company in 2006. Um, many people will recall that was the downturn of our market uh, where everybody was, you know, hopefully staying afloat. And uh, there was a lot of job loss at that time. And we had a large group of people in the area from Hopkinton down to Foxborough, including Franklin, that really couldn't um, keep afloat and keep their house here because they had a job request someplace else in the country. And uh, what we ended up doing is we ended up kind of babysitting or fostering those homes while those people moved away until the market bounced back that I could sell those properties. Um, and first, first of all, could you define what a management company does? What, sure. what it did? Yes, sure. So day-to-day uh, -day management of our company, we have five employees and uh, we manage properties, single families, multifamilies, condominiums, and then we do some condo management. And our day-to-day -day goal is to make sure that the property always looks good. The bills are paid for and everybody is taken care of on a, um, on a daily basis when it comes to tenants and the owner. So we're in the first line of conversation between the owner and the tenant. 
And what does the real estate company basically do? Uh, what is a, a realtor, actually, yeah. real owner of a real estate company do? Yeah, what I is mean, your job? Years ago, people used to say it was about selling houses and having people buy houses. But really, today, our job is, you know, it's changed so much with the um, entrance of the internet and everything as any company has. Um, so today, it's really about marketing properties for sale. Um, and then from there, uh, helping buyers buy a property uh, when they need to. And um, I've been, again, blessed by the, the people in Franklin for their referrals over the years and their guidance on uh, having them help me and me help them sell their home. Um, so um, really, my business has always been focused in Franklin on both ends of the companies. Um, you know, I'm, uh, I'm like I, I tell people, I'm a Franklin guy and uh, I love the opportunity to help people in Franklin. Matt, you're running for state senate. Could you do a couple of things? One is tell us what, what the geographical area is. Maybe give us some background as to uh, the gender and ethnicity uh, uh, of the area and whatever else is pertinent about the area that you'd be representing. Sure. Uh, you know, a lot of people, when I say I'm running for state Senate, they think U.S. Senate, which is not the case. Uh, you know, I'm not looking to go to D.C. I'm not looking to be uh, on a federal or a national race. Uh, I really my focus is here in our communities um, and the communities that I hope to represent come November 3rd. Uh, so state Senate. Um, who many people might remember our past state senators of Scott Brown and Richard Ross. Uh, those are from Scott probably being the most famous person. Uh, it's the same district he had, and I'll run through the 12 communities because a lot of people don't, don't know it's all 12. So it starts in the southern part of Attleboro and works its way up to North Attleboro, Plainville, Rentham, and Norfolk. And then in Franklin, we have precincts one, two, three, four, and seven, so uh, five of the precincts here in Franklin. And then we jump over to Millis, Sherburn, South Natick, the public free library over in Wellesley, that whole area in the southern portion, Needham, but only the southern portion of that as well, and then all of Wayland. So you can only imagine how socially and economically diverse that whole district is from one end to the other. Um, you have people and citizens and constituents uh, in our area who, um, you know, who have very different needs than the people up in Needham or Wayland or um, Wellesley for that matter. Um, so it's a good opportunity for me to represent a wide variety of the people in Massachusetts and get the opinions on both and the thoughts on both and work for both of them. Um, you know, for the last 12 years as a Franklin town councilor, I've had the opportunity to work as a nonpartisan member of the town council as well. I've had an opportunity to be able to work with the citizens, no matter what their party affiliation is. And for the last 12 years, this has all been about the people, not the party. Right. And that's what I want. I want to continue that mission throughout the district and not play a party game but be about the people in the district and how I can help them. That's a little Matt, different than national politics, Frank. Matt, it seems to me that it is pretty much a white area, though. Outside of Attleboro, there's not a whole lot of ethnic diversity in the towns that you represent. There may be some religious diversity, but it, am I incorrect in saying that it, it predominantly is a, a white area? 
Well, I wouldn't, I, I don't know. I've never ran the, um, the um, ethnicity of anyone. I've never run any of that. Um, what I can tell you is that I have met with people of color. I've met with everybody that's out there um, that I can possibly meet with and have a conversation on what their needs are. Um, I, you know, I'm fortunate to, uh, to live in a world and my family's fortunate to live in a world. We don't see any of that. Um, I, I see a person as a person. And, um, so I would assume you're probably correct, but I, you know, I can also tell you as a realtor, you know, from the city we have right now, over 30% of our sales in this area at through Millis and Franklin, et cetera, being, um, being people who are coming in from the city. So I think we're going to be getting more diverse as the time goes on. Um, however, that being said, um, I've never really run that because I don't, that's what's important is to represent everyone. And, and certainly from a real estate point of view, outside of uh, Arabo, the housing cost is to acquire a home in these areas is fairly high. Well, even Attleboro these days, I mean, that's the nice thing about my real estate background, right? So I've got an opportunity to look at pricing and our whole district has gone up tremendously in pricing. Um, of course, the uh, price of a eight-room, four-bedroom, two-and-a-half-bath colonial in the community of Needham is much more expensive than, let's say, Franklin or um, Attleboro. But that being said, uh, they all have the same needs. They want to come home and make sure that their roads are working. They want to make sure that their lights turn on, their water works, and they have clean water. Uh, they want to make sure they have good schools. And that's really what I'm focused on, is making sure that we continue what I've been able to do here in Franklin and make it the best community for each of the communities that they can be. The town council, is that the first elected position that you've served on? No, and that's really been, I've had a couple of people say, well, you say 10 years and you say 12 years. Uh, I've been a 12-year elected official in Franklin. Uh, two of those years, the first two, was a school community. Uh, so there's very few of us on the town council today that have that opportunity uh, to actually know both sides of the coin in Franklin. Um, chairman Mercer, um, who was my vice chairman when I was chairman, and myself both uh, had the opportunity to serve on the school committee. It's the same thing that Jeff Roy uh, had as well. And being able to go to the state senate and having that information and the know-how on how the schools work and their budget and chapter 70 formula works as well as how the town formula works and how that works and how everything works with our town charter is very important and it's a great benefit to the people of franklin matt you were the chair of the franklin town council uh can you tell us what are some of the accomplishments uh that you're particularly supported on the town council that you're proud of uh, have come into reality? Oh, sure. I, you know, living in Franklin is my greatest accomplishment because Franklin, it, it's a tough town to live in with affordability. Uh, I know a lot of people struggle to get in here because they want to put their kids to the best schools. Uh, so that's a great accomplishment for my family and I, and we're glad we could stay here. But on the town council as chairman, and not only not as chairman, but, um, you know, under my tenure of the five years that I was chairman, um, I had an opportunity to do multiple things I'm proud of. One of them, and most importantly, was our Delcart um, Reservation the Recreation Center. Uh, Delcart was a dream of uh, Jeff, former town administrator Jeff Nutting in mind. Uh, we, you know, as a kid, I'm, I don't know about you, Frank, but I used to fish there. Did you ever get a chance to fish there? 
I was never a fisherman. Oh, we used to fish there when I was a kid, um, you know, and Ernie, Ernie would come out and yell at us and we'd run like heck, go, uh, you know, out of there. So we didn't get in trouble and didn't call our parents. But uh, we would, um, you know, we'd fish there and then now being able to go down there and see the, the kids play in the playground and the recreation area. Um, You're talking just, off Pleasant Street, correct? Yes. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, we got to make sure in Franklin that we keep that area clean. Um, I was doing a walk down there the other day and and some people have, you know, started just discard some trash. We got to make sure we keep that. But that's a huge accomplishment for me. Um, creating uh, two funds for our police and fire vehicles where we, um, you know, as a member of the Capitol Committee when I was chairman, what I did is I created a fund that every year that we put a little bit away each year into these funds. And then when we need police and fire vehicles, we're not going to the town and taking out of a big chunk out of the budget, we can actually take those pieces and, and that would take in every year and use that money, which has been a great accomplishment. Uh, Franklin High School, building a new high school was great. I still miss the Feraldt House as many as, as much as everybody else does, and I wish we could keep it. Uh, but, you know, we were kind of told one or the other. And, um, you know, Franklin High School is a great school. We've got, you know, getting the, uh, the state to pick up 60% of that was huge for us. Um, and being able to do that. Um, and then really from there, there's there's so many accomplishments uh, throughout our town, building in addition to the library, building addition to the senior center, which I was on the library committee and I was chairman for the senior center. Uh, those are all great accomplishments. There hasn't been a year in the last 12 years that I can't sit back and talk about four or five things that I am so proud of our community. We've come together as a group um, I was fortunate enough um, to cut the ribbon in the new downtown when we opened it. We spent, we got $5 million from the government to be able to refurbish our downtown. Um, and that was a scary, I, I'm sure you understand it was a scary time. We didn't know if people were going to like that uh, non-one-way route anymore. Um, and still people are like, I women still one way. And sometimes I do too. But it was, uh, it was a great accomplishment for our town to get a facelift. So there's there's so many accomplishments. Uh, you know, I drive through town and, and I'll drive through after this interview because I've got some places to go in town today and I'll look and I'll go, oh, I forgot to mention about that. Um, and I, But I think one of the biggest things is when I was came to the council 10 years ago, one of the things we never had was money in the budget for roads. And after, you know, yelling and screaming and, and kicking and, and everything else, uh, not literally, but figuratively, uh, we were able to start putting some money into a road account. And we've continued to do that where we started the first year with, you know, $100,000. And now we're considerably uh, more into that road account every year. And we then turned it into when we redo our water and sewer lines, we do what's called full depth reconstruction, where we go out and we redo the whole road at the same time. Um, I also was the the um, person who said that when a contractor digs up the road, they have to, and it came into uh, a bylaw where they have to pl uh, pave one side of the road to the other uh, versus just leaving a patch in the road. And, uh, you know, all of the counselors have kind of had their little piece of what they wanted to get fixed. Uh, we got lights over on the fields off of uh, Peck Street. Um, that was huge. Um, I could go on for hours. There's Matt, so go ahead. Let me ask this. What about the unfunded liability of the pension fund for the employees of Franklin? Yeah, it has been a struggle for us for years. And we're finally starting to make headway with some new formulas. I think, you know, until the state takes us up, which I hope 
to be able to do when I get there until the state takes this up and starts figuring it out because it's not just Franklin. It's every community is having it where to commute some communities like but New Matt, the state has the same problem. I agree. And that's why it has to be a state issue. They're running in the same problem that we are. And we need the, we need the state to step up and turn around and help us figure out how we're going to fix this because we're all in the same boat. And unless you're a Newton or a Brookline, you can't pay that money off. Um, the good news is we've started funding it a little more each year and we're now at the point where we're starting to see that reduce, but it's not quick enough to catch up at the end. Matt, have you always been a Republican? No. Uh, have I always leaned Republican? Yes. I've always been fiscally conservative and I think that's important for anybody who's going to be in public office. Uh, what does it mean to be fiscally conservative? What it means to me to be cons fiscally conservative is to make sure that I get the biggest bang for my taxpayer's buck. Um, I want to make sure that before we start adding fees or because that's the new way of taxing everybody, I think. Uh, but before we start doing adding fees or adding taxes, we look at what we have and we cut what we have to cut and we make the cuts that won't affect people as much as other certainly other cuts would make. And uh, from there, really focus on. Um, you know, making sure we do everything we possibly can to give every single one of our citizens the biggest bang for their buck. But keep in mind, for the last 12 years as a town council member and a school committee member, I have been nonpartisan. So the people who I represented were Republicans, Democrats, and unenrolled independents alike. Um, and that's why I go into this not looking at party. I think when we start talking about party, we ultimately become the same thing that the national platforms are. It's splitting us down the middle about the party. We need to talk about the person and who, what that person can do and who the best person for the job is. And I think for the state Senate, that's Matt Kelly. Matt, being a business person, what is your philosophy about a business? In other words, should a business succeed on its own or fail on its own? Or are there appropriate times that the government should financially support a business directly. I, I, one of the examples I would use is currently, there's a bill in either the House or the Senate to, in essence, support restaurants financially directly. Do you support that bill? Um, I support parts of it. I'd like to continue to look at it. As you know, I'm a huge supporter of small businesses. Um, I think that the state hasn't done enough to separate small business and biz, big business alike. Uh, one of the things that I think we do need to let our small businesses do everything they possibly can to stand on their own, but they're small businesses and they're the backbone of our community. And we need to be able to help them as state legislators um, and as community legislators, as town legislators. And what can we do? Uh, I was at an event last night with um, with some small business owners, and they were they're talking about the struggles they have. I think what people don't realize with small businesses is a lot of big businesses can handle all these loans they've taken because they'll raise you know their product a penny and be able to pay that off. Small business can't do that. They're competing against the big business that is able to mass produce items. Um, so when we look at the small businesses, right now they're being helped by PPE money and small business loans and, I'm um, sorry, PPE, PPP money and small business loans and things like that. What the, what the challenge is going to be in about 12 to 18 months is when all of these low interest or no interest loans then become due and they start charging interest. And a small business, whether it's a restaurant or you know a little boutique shop, 
they're going to need to pay their monthly note and their monthly bills on top of having to pay all these loans back. And I'm nervous for them. Keep in mind, main street businesses consistently typically have 28 days of money in reserves. We've passed that in COVID. So I think the conversation needs to be, what are we going to do after COVID to make sure that we keep our small businesses going? Um, and that's a conversation as a small business owner, I can have, and I have been having since March. Um, because the small businesses are looking at how they can stay afloat now, but they're really worried about what comes in the future. Um, the restaurants, you know, we've got to support them. We're going to do everything we can. And I think the local uh each local government can decide what's best for their um, for the restaurants and um, when they can open and how they can open and how many people they can have. And I'd really like to see that the local governments take control of that because they know their communities best and they can track those numbers. And if the numbers get too high, we're going to have to scale back a little bit. And I think they can make those decisions. We're seeing that happening out of our own now. Matt, I take a little different approach. Sure. To me, it is the consumer the person that that consumes the product or buys the product that makes the small business successful. Mm -hmm. it, businesses, particularly small businesses, are going to fail. There are some, may, they're just not relating to the consumer. The consumer sure. no longer has an interest. They're going to go out of business. The principle to me has always been that, that even small businesses stand on their own. And the support needs to go to the consumer. If, if people in Franklin aren't selling their houses or aren't, builders aren't building new houses, you're not going to have your small business of the real estate. I think so, when we talk about small business, you know, consumers are going to ultimately decide whether or not that business stays afloat. But this particular situation that we've been through for the last eight months is completely different. That has been taken out of the consumer's hands and it's been taken out of the small business hands to be able to figure out if they can survive. We have literally forced a shutdown, which by all means, I'm not saying that's not wrong. We need to keep our people safe. That's important. But we need to also figure out how we're going to give them the best opportunity to get started again and then let the consumer decide. Maybe the, the consumer decides they don't no, no longer needs a smoothie shop and down. Well, then that's fine. They'll make that decision. So I agree with you that the consumer will make that decision over time, but I don't think starting them off after COVID in a bad spot is the way to go. Matt, federal legislation that has been passed to bail out uh, this COVID-19 uh, situation seems to me to favor totally businesses and mm -hmm. people with wealth. Do you have... Do you totally support what we've done economically on the federal level? Well, I'm running for a state race, so I'm not running federally. That being said, but I'm, I'm um, yeah, go ahead. That being said, you know, I think that the federal level needs to do everything they can do to keep everybody up and running, no matter how much money they have or who they are or where they came from. I think we need to do everything we can to continue to get through the virus of COVID and then uh, go from there. So I don't think we should be discriminating versus, you know, any, at any level, um, you know. I, then let me ask this question. Yeah. Economically, when you're voting on a state budget, how are you going to balance support for the people on the lower end of the economic scale versus small businesses. 
how are you going to allocate the funds between supporting businesses and allocating funds uh, to people uh, that have need economic uh, help in this time? Well, I think that we need to do both. It's a both and it's a two pronged approach. We need to first make sure that we get the money that we can get to make sure our small businesses stay afloat. And then we need to focus on our people and make sure that they're not losing their homes, right? Um, you know, I've talked to so many people who are out of work right now. Massachusetts leaves in one area of the country right now at 17% unemployment. We need to try to get our people back to work, but we need to do it safely and healthy, and we have to make sure that these people are able to work. And that's the key, getting people back to work and getting people that they're safe and healthy back to work and, and go from there. How am I going to help? You know, it's a great question. I think that at the end of the day, we're going to have to wait and see as we play it out and continue to watch the numbers and see what we can do um, and see where the areas are most needed and affected. I think this is a day-by-day -day approach. I look forward to working with the governor to figure out how we can work together. I've had my conversations with the governor over the last few months about how we can work together and how we can turn around and do what's best for our district. And that's my plan is to continuously monitor it and work with the people. You were on the school committee. Franklin bought some Chrome devices, which are for students for remote learning that for them to use in their homes. The apparently the uh, FEMA has also given Franklin a number of Chrome devices. How should supporting people at home, should everyone in Franklin, regardless of income, receive the Chrome devices? Or when we're giving aid to help people in their homes educate the children, should lower income people uh, be given that help first? Uh, what is your philosophy on, on how, should there be an economic consideration as to where the help goes for, for students that are doing remote learning? Well, I think the, you know, we, we did buy a, a lot of Chromebooks from the money that we received um, from the CARES Act. And I'm on, on the budget subcommittee, and that was one of the items that I, I completely agreed with and we thought we should do. Uh, the schools need to keep their kids educated in the best way that they can. We cannot stop educating children. It's the parents need to work. You know, my wife's a teacher. I get it. Um, she gets it. I hear the stories every day with a parent who is at home. They're trying to work work to do their job, make sure they keep their job, and they really need the child or the student to be at school or in their remote learning so that they're able to do their job and the child's able to do their job, and which is go to school. You know, one of the biggest concerns I think that you touched on, but I think, you know, we dive in a little more on that, is the Chromebooks for every student in Franklin is something that we've been trying to get to for the last 10 years. Every capital committee, every year we talk about how we can buy more Chromebooks. And now we've got to that point, thank God, for the uh, CARES Act. Now the question is, how do we get all of these children and all these students their uh, internet? Because you can have a Chromebook, but if you don't have the money to have internet in your home, that's a problem. So now what we're really working on is figuring out how we can provide an internet resource because right now Comcast and Verizon has been great to offer that out to people who could not afford um, or necessarily be able to get internet in their home. And for me now it's how do we get that ongoing? And I'd like to really push in the future of trying to get 
the whole town to be Wi-Fi ready because I think that would be a great opportunity for everybody that takes the want versus the need out of it. And in today's world, it's a necessary need to have internet. Everything is internet right now. There's probably a greater need in Attleboro than any other of the communities that you're going to be representing. Will you try to direct more of the resources to Attleboro in that area, or, or is your intent to spread the resources all over the communities? One of the things is I've already met with Mayor Haro in Attleboro. That was one of the things I've done. Um, as you know, and many of your listeners know, I, uh, I have always worked with our town administrator and each one of our heads of our departments um, one-on-one to make sure that everybody gets the best funding and gets the best bang for their citizens' buck. Uh, that being said, Attleboro does need the, um, the funding. Uh, I will work with the city councilors, um, down there and make sure that I do everything to whatever their vision is to get them the money that they need. I'll do the same thing and need them. It, the, the plan is to work with the, my plan, I should say, is to work with every town elected official and sit down with them as a group and ask them, what do they need? Where is their vision? Because as the Franklin, as Franklin town councilors, we have a much different vision than Sherburne has. As I heard last night from Sherburn, Sherburn has a much different vision than us. Uh, Attleboro has a much different, North Attleboro, Wayland, they all have different visions of what their town would be, and their elected officials know that better than anyone else in the town. They're elected by the people. So my goal is not only to talk to the people, but do what I've done best in Franklin for the last 12 years and sit down with my fellow town councilors and selectmen and city councilors in each of those towns and see what their goals are and help them achieve it at a state level. Let me ask you a couple of local issues. Franklin is having a ballot question, mm-hmm. uh, ballot question on uh, raising funds for uh, historic or cultural or uh, other types of uh, community use property. Do you support that ballot question? Are you talking about the CPA? Yes. I do support the CPA. Um, you know, I, I don't support more taxes because none of us want to support more taxes. But I think it's a great opportunity uh, under my leadership as but the town. Under the, under the bill you, where you say you support, you are supporting a 2% increase in taxes for the purpose of the CPA. Am I correct? Yes, it wasn't necessarily the number that I wanted. We had a range that we could decide, but that goes back to my fellow town councilors and I having a discussion on that in a meeting. And, uh, you know, I, I said 3% was too high. I wanted one and a half. There is, um, you know, there is an opportunity to, you know, to have that discussion at the town council meeting. And, you know, one of the things that drove me to that was the income, um, the exemption for low income and seniors that is in the CPA. So when we vote on it. There will be an exemption in there for seniors and low income people. Not total. Not total exemption. You are correct. But it is something. And, and, you know, for us in our town, we have the senior work off program. We have a lot of opportunities for our seniors and low income uh, members of our community to take advantage of those. We have the 40B program. Uh, there's so many opportunities that we try to put out. And I, as a council member for the last 10 years, we continuously every single year work on what we can do to make more opportunities for those that are in need. Storm drain issue in the town of Franklin. Uh, would you like to comment on that? 
it's going to be a hot top, hot button topic. I'm sure you know for the next few years. Um, you know, the EPA came down and you know pointed at all the towns on the Charles River, and they said you guys need to clean up your uh, your impervious coverage and your sulfur rates and and everything else. Um, and I've been very much involved in it. Uh, I've taken a back seat over the last month or so with those because I've been running, and my fellow council members have been doing uh, a great job. Um, advocating for our town. Uh, I, I don't know if you're aware, but uh, Congressman Kennedy and Jeff Roy and Richard Ross, when they were there, were able to extend out these EPA demands, so to speak, and they are really demands versus advisories, um, you know, over the over a couple of years so that we didn't have to deal with them. And here we are dealing with them again, because there's been nobody really there at the state level to say, no, Franklin can't afford to do this again. Um, you know, keep in mind, Franklin is a very small part of the Charles River, but we're getting a very large burden of that, of that potential fine. Um, so do you support, do you support the proposed uh, initiative that it will be a separate funding and and there will be a separate uh, funding based on impervious services of the property that you own? So I don't. Uh, I think that one of the things that we need to do, um, first of all, I don't think now is the time to be adding more tax to our citizens. Um, and you call this a tax. When well, it's a fee or a tax or however you want to look at it, it's still going back to our government. You can't deduct it on your taxes, so it's you not can. a tax, right? I know, I know, but you, it's still You can a call fee. it a fee or whatever, but you cannot deduct it on your taxes. I agree with you, and it's and it's not the time to be introducing this to the citizens of Franklin, and I think that we need to go back to our legislators and push for them to push it back and say, now is not the time. You need to get this extended. We need more time to figure it out. And and personally, I don't. But, think but the alternative, the alter, alternative is that we could be fined such a heavy amount of money, okay, that we're better off doing something than than being subject to the fines. Well, no towns have been fined yet, and every other town in our, you know, every other town in the Charles River on the way down has been fighting this. And I think we need to continue the fight until we can't fight anymore. Um, at this point, it's not the time to be putting on this on our citizens, number one. Number two, I think there's some, with the um, with the agenda that they've put forward, the subcommittee has put forward, I think there's some concerns to that and needs some more discussion. So my hope is it doesn't come up in, in this year. Um, and I'll be definitely looking forward to this next year uh, to talk about it. I. I don't agree with the way it's going about. I don't like that, uh, the way it's been handled where you're going to get taxed on your impervious coverage. Uh, that's a, a huge problem for um, citizens and commercial business owners alike. Um, so, you know, it, it's going gonna, it's gonna to need a lot more discussion, and I think you'll see a lot more discussion at the council level. Do you believe in climate change? Yes, of course I do. So you believe scientifically there, there is enough evidence to indicate that what we're doing is changing the nature of the climate. Yes. Um, I don't know if you've noticed, uh, if you've been around town, uh, if you go in the back of the town hall or up near the library, where we're starting to put the e-charges in for uh, our e-vehicles. Uh, you know, we've, you know, for climate change, we've been working hard on the council level. As chairman, I was able to take... Um, 
our town buildings and get them to 90% um, green energy uh, through our solar plants, uh, solar um, aggregate up at the um, Abbey up on Mount Street. You know, I 100% believe that we need to work on fixing our carbon uh, footprint and keep making things as green as we possibly can. Uh, I pushed for those charges. Now I'm pushed and I have pushed for the last two years to get e-vehicles for our public uh, employees so that they're driving e-vehicles. We need to, in Franklin, be the role model to continuously, you know, cut down our carbon footprint and show the world what we can do. As a Republican in the state Senate, you will be eligible to be on all sorts of different committees. Mm -hmm. What committees are you really interested in, in serving on? So it's a, it's a great question. Um, I really just want to serve on the local government committee. Um, you know, I think that's something that I have a great, um, a great opportunity to give my input and my knowledge on and uh, the subcommittee on education is huge as well. My, uh, my background in uh, school committee is great. Uh, and to be able to work with Jeff Roy um, and work together as a representative and a Senator and have somebody from Franklin that represents both is huge for us. Um, as much as, you know, the budget subcommittee is a great committee as well. That being said, whatever I'm asked, to be on, I will be work my hardest for the people of our district to make sure that I take care of everything I possibly can. Um, I'm the type of person that always puts all into it. So, do you support the Republican leader of the Senate, or would you prefer to see someone else in that position? I don't think at this time I'm I'm at the po point where I need to support anyone except for Matt Kelly. Um, you know, I you know I haven't had conversations with the Republican leader. Um, you, at this point, uh, I've been running a race based on Matt Kelly, and uh, that's my plan. Uh, when I get in there, I'm going to have the opportunity to be a, my voice uh, for our people in the Senate. Um, and I'm not looking at Republican versus Democrat. I'm looking at what's best for the people within our district and what I can do to work um, bipartisanly with both sides of the aisle to get things accomplished. Matt, how have you prepared yourself to be a state senator, and how have you prepared yourself to look at what you consider are the current issues? Sure. Uh, you know, how I've prepared 12 years of town government, I have been practicing to be able to go up and go forward. Now's the time. Now's the time that I feel that I have applied for this job for the last 12 years. I have been training for this job for the last 12 years, and now I have an opportunity to do that. Um, my, my experience in uh, you know, local government has really given me the opportunity to know what I'm doing when I'm up there and work with the people up there. Uh, my experience as a small business owner is going to allow me the opportunity to be able to talk about small businesses and the needs of the small businesses in our communities. And you know, my opportunity to show up and be local and and be there i think that's important i think what we're missing and you know i've talked to many people about this is a face that shows up and they're up, they're ready and i know you and i will have lots of radio shows when i'm there and we'll be talking all the time and and you'll be asking me the tough questions and i'm prepared well, i got a tough I've, question for you right now go for it i'm an old guy no not at all all old guys kind of like restrooms and there are no restrooms on state highways. It, it, they don't exist. If they exist, they're porta johns. 
It's a terrible condition in Massachusetts. And even people with children in a car might have to stop by the side of the road and, you know, have the children get out. Matt, what are you going to do about restrooms and nuts and bolts issues uh, concerning people? I think it's a great question. And that's not an old guy question. I got the same problem. I'm with you. We all need more. Uh, you know, one of the things is let's get some more businesses on these highways, right? Let's get some, you know, we've kind of done away with the rest stops. And by all means, you know, it's a good idea. It's just become kind of a weird place to stop. But let's come get some of these businesses off the highway. We can pull in and get a coffee and use the facilities. That would be great. Uh, you know what's really off the highway? No, I don't want to get off the highway. I'm no, going no. to New Hampshire. No, I don't want I'm to go in a restroom on the highway while exactly. I'm going. I don't want to get out of an accident. Exactly. No, I'm talking McDonald's. I'm talking just like if you go down the Mass Pike, where you get off in that McDonald's and the uh, Dunkin' Donuts is there when you get down the, or the Mass Pike. You know what I'm talking oh, about? Look at what New Hampshire and Maine have. Yeah, I think they're great, and we got to follow suit. You know, that's one of the things we, you know, we've got to be able to do that. But it's not an old guy thing. It's a young guy thing too, either that or I'm getting old too. But, uh, you know, as a father of two, I remember when my kids were young and, you know, you, you pull over and now you open in the back of the, you know, the back of the car and you're trying to change a diaper and you're going, oh, if I just had a restroom, it's freezing out here. Um, you know, you've been there. I've been there. We need more places, especially right now. I don't know if you've been to a coffee shop lately, but all the restrooms are closed. I've, you know, I don't know what's going on. I just. Honey, you doing Milford just the other day. Yeah. I couldn't use their restrooms. I don't know which is more terrible, not using the restrooms to prevent COVID-19 or, or using them. I, well, you know, I feel like with COVID-19, we've thrown out all the building codes. You know, we used to you build a building and you need to have two yeah. restrooms and you need to have this and you need to, and you walk in and now there's nothing. You get your coffee, you get out. I, Matt, I, I one, of the big, one of the big areas that we haven't touched on that you're going to be responsible for, and that's constituent services, yes. both from the towns and cities and from individuals. How are you, how are you going to set up your organization to address those uh, questions and services? Sure. I think for the last 12 years, I've had an opportunity to have a business in town on Main Street. And anybody that talks to me, I tell them, come on in, walk in the door. If I'm there, we're going to sit down and have a conversation, whether it's five minutes or, you know, 50 minutes, I'm there. But I think it goes back to my local presence, right? I'm going to be there. I'm going to be key to be there and be out there and make sure that people can see me. But that doesn't solve all the answers, right? What I need to do is be able to be in the communities and holding office hours. And we've got to have a great but, staff. But what you more importantly need to do is follow through on what the people are asking you to do. You need to be able to have enough resources and organizations to follow through what they're, they're asking you to look into or, or try to resolve. I agree. I've got a 12 year record of following through on things and I'll continue that up. Um, but you know, everything, everything has got, um, everything is going to be great. I have no worries about that. We've done that in Franklin for 12 years. I'm going to do it in the 12 communities. And realistically, keep in mind, Frank, every two years, people get to grade me on how I do it. And if I do a good job, I'll get an A and I'll be reelected. And if I don't, well, then I'll get an F and I'll be out and the next guy will be in. So for me, every two years, I'm going to make sure I go to the people and ask them for their confidence again. Matt, you know voters. 
once they vote someone in, it is normally very difficult because of money to vote them out. And so, which leads me to the question, do you favor rank voting question number two on the state ballot? It's a good question. Well, you know, first, you know, I'd like to say it's true uh, that it's very hard to get somebody that's an incumbent out. Uh, that being said, uh, you know, I'm fortunate. I have over 400 private citizens in Massachusetts and in our district and mostly in our district who have donated to my campaign over the last eight months. That's a huge feat in the middle of COVID. And I think that's an important uh, number to remember that people are coming forward because they feel like I'm the best candidate out there. Uh, that being said, the ranked choice voting is question number two on the ballot. Um, it's an important question. I think people need to understand it. Currently, it's under the Massachusetts SJC for consideration. Uh, I'm interested to see how that comes out before I even uh, I even make sure that I would vote yes on it. Uh, but you're going to vote before that decision comes I out. Am. I am. I will be a no in November. Um, so, you know, and the reason being is that if you look at you know, San Francisco on the mayoral race, uh, you know, you had 27% of the ballots thrown out uh, after the first round. That's a concern. And in um, Albuquerque, New Mexico, there was nine times more ballots that were that were not allowed to be in because they were incorrectly done. Um, so I know Maine's trying to sort through it right now, and they've been working on it for a few years. I'm really interested to see how the SJC is, and I think that um, how the SJC comes out rather. And I think once that comes out, I'll be more familiar on how to do it. But keep in mind, we're in the middle of mail-in voting. This is brand new for a lot of people. We've had absentee voting. We've had go to the polls. But mail-in voting that Jeff Roy brought in has been a big thing. And, you know, we need to make sure that we get that done and done right before we start introducing something else to the system. So right now I'm a no, but that doesn't mean it's not up for consideration down the line. But I want to see, the, I want to see a little more evidence on it before I decide that's the way to go. Matt, how can people reach you in your campaign? Sure. Um, I would love for uh, people to first go to our website, www.mattkelly4, and that's F-O-R-Senate.com. Again, that's Matt, M-A-T-T, K-E-L-L-Y, F-O-R, Senate, S-E-N-A-T.com. Um, they can always reach out to me at Matt at Matt Kelly for Senate.com and and just tell, let me know. They can like our Facebook page. We put updates on there every single day. Uh, we're out and about every single day. I've uh, knocked on over 8,000 doors since we started this um, in March. We are with the people, talking to the people, and we want people to know that we're here and we're going to represent them into their best ability. At least in, in Franklin, Mass., people can start voting two weeks early at the polls. The polls will be at the Franklin Gymnasium. You can look at the hours on the town clerk's website. Or if you have received the state of Massachusetts pamphlet on voting, you can fill out the card and have a mail-in vote sent to you. It does need to be returned by October 24th, um, your, your, your vote, and it needs to be received by the town clerk uh, by election day. And on election day, you can actually go to, again, the Franklin Gymnasium 
and vote, I believe it's seven to eight during the day. I'm sure Matt will uh, have his uh, signs out and other people out. Uh, and please don't be scared of the politicians. Stop and ask them practical questions, you know, not theoretical questions, but practical questions that are going to affect uh, your life and, and your family. To me, it's it's more important uh, that we we see the nuts and bolts of uh, the people that we're about to to elect. Matt, I do have one final question for you. Yes, sir. I know I had a boss that loved to say, busy people are happy people. He loved to tell me that, right? Mm -hmm. Well, you're going to be a, a, a busy person with, with the state, with your business, with your family. How are you going to juggle that? And are you going to be happy being elected? Well, I think it's a it's a story a little bit, and I won't take too long. But last uh, October, I was thinking about running, and uh, you know, the first thing I did was wait and thought about it until um, wait and thought about it until Thanksgiving. And at Thanksgiving time, I sat down with my family and I said to them, "I'm thinking about running for state senate. What do you think?" And my 11 year old, who just turned 12, said. Dad, the people of Massachusetts need you. The people in our communities need you. You need to run. And I said, well, this has to be a family decision. And she, my family looked at me and they said, yes, you're going to do this. And they've been behind me 100%. Um, I couldn't be a happier guy. Uh, you know, I'm blessed to have a business that is amazing. Um, I'm blessed to have uh, what most people don't realize is my business is, um, it, my business is run by my best friend from high school. And we met in the eighth grade and we've been friends ever since. He lives here right in Franklin. Uh, so he runs my business uh, for me and with me. And I have nothing but the best um, things to say about him and the greatest trust with him. And he will continue to run that with me and be able to take care of everything. Uh, that being said, when I'm elected, I'll be a full-time senator. Uh, I'm excited to do that. I'm excited to continue my, uh, my work uh, with the towns and the people. And uh, I couldn't be happier and I can give it my all and we can take care of the people and make sure they're satisfied and that they're uh, happy to have a senator that they can call somebody um, that will take the, take the phone call and take the time to talk to them. Again, this is Frank Falvey uh, thanking Matt Kelly uh, running to be the state senator. Uh, what, what is the Senate district called? What is it, the Middlesex, Norfolk or what? It is the Norfolk-Bristol-Middlesex District. The Norfolk-Bristol-Middlesex District. Matt, what, what, one of the things you're going to be involved in is, is, is gerrymandering after the census. Uh, I, I hope you come up with a, with a better uh, plan for the district than the way it's laid out now. I'm, I'm already in the middle of gerrymandering with this district. It's not right the way it should be, and I'm hoping it gets better after the census. Well, and I, I do hope to get you on uh, TV and do some uh, TV interviews with the Franklin Access Channel and also uh, over the radio, the Zoom, we are on 102.9 uh, FM WFPR that you're listening to now. Uh, thank you for uh, graciously uh, being on uh, this program. I greatly appreciate it. And I'll see you and everyone else at the polls. I'm the guy with the cowboy hat. <laughs> thank you, Frank.